here, and welcome to episode 24 of the Pennsylvania Project. As you may, as you may know, here at the Pennsylvania Project, our vision is a better Pennsylvania. To achieve that vision, our mission is to boldly showcase the political, cultural, and environmental challenges facing contemporary Pennsylvania, and to relentlessly pursue correct solutions. But more important than solving the problem correctly is to solve the correct problem. Say that five times fast. That, 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 that. We have a targeted episode planned for today, and like all episodes of the Pennsylvania Project, it's divided into three parts. You, them, and me. Part one is all about you, your questions, your opinions, your solutions, your whatevers. And rather than a call-in format, we are an email-in format. So if you have something to say, you can always contact us at PennsylvaniaProject.com and then listen in afterwards on iTunes, Stitcher, Google, or whatever your favorite podcast provider may be. Today for the you part, we have some follow-up questions from past episodes. One about sitting around the campfire with Bernie discussing welfare. Sounds good. And one on a topic we haven't discussed in quite a while, surprisingly, abortion. After that, episode two is all about them. Each episode, we host a guest to help us showcase the political, cultural, and or environmental issues facing Pennsylvania. Our guest today is a mix of the cultural and the political, firearms manufacturer Konstantin Davinsky. After that comes part three of the Pennsylvania Project, the me part, where it's my turn, your caster, Ken Krawchuk. I'll be focusing on some particular issue that really sticks in my craw. Today's rant, the very idea of taxation. And throughout the show, we'll be featuring a Pennsylvania Toastmaster to narrate our live commercials and whatever comes into our mailbag. Today, we have with us yet another member of the Positively Charged Toastmasters Club at Philadelphia Electric Company downtown, Taylor Kardish. Taylor, welcome to the Pennsylvania Project. Hi, Ken. How are you? I'm sober and wide awake, but it's a good thing if I'm going to be on the show. Good to hear. Now, you're a Toastmaster. Tell me, what do you like about being a Toastmaster? Um, I really, I've, I've always liked gabbing to people. I really <laughs> like just talking. So this gives me a space to constantly talk to people and do it in a way where I'm not saying um and all, uh all the time, which I could have just done just now. That's <laughs> <laughs> all right. It's, we practice it and we exactly. wash it away. Yeah. Well, welcome to the Pennsylvania Project. It's wonderful to have you here. You too. Thank you. Okay, so let's dig into our mailbag. And remember, our mission here is not just to complain, but to explore solutions. What do we have today, Taylor? We have a guest named, a repeat, a repeat contributor actually named Bernie McCann from Ellsworth City, PA. He writes, of course I'm going to keep listening to your podcast. It's the next best thing to having Ken by a campfire. <laughs> But the only reason I'd vote for you as governor is that I'd like to see how you decide what social programs to cut and actually meet with people dependent on those programs. I think you'd find inventive ways to keep them. Indeed I would, Bernie. In fact, if you go back and listen to episode 17, our guest that day was missing in action. So, Toastmaster that I am, I took the opportunity to talk about a way, a very inventive way, that I would keep those programs going. In episode 17, I spoke about many of those social services that are crucial to our way of life and how Pennsylvanians have come to depend upon them, especially a lot of the elderly and the needy. We can't just simply abolish these programs outright. I think it may be what you meant, because that would be a cure worse than the disease for sure. But we definitely have to do something. I've said this many times. Over 80% of the Pennsylvania budget is dedicated to giveaway programs. 
and the cost of government in Pennsylvania has been rising on average at more than three times the rate of inflation for over 50 years. Hmm, sounds bad. As you know, we're all about solutions here at the Pennsylvania Project, and the solution to all that runaway spending of all those social programs, as I mentioned in Episode 17, is the separation of society and state. All those well-meaning, tax-funded societal programs must be separated from state control and transition to society where they truly belong before they bankrupt us. Now, I'm not going to repeat everything I said back there in episode 17 because, you know, I took a whole half an hour to say it. But I can sum it up briefly, I hope. What we do is we would form society. It would be a separate organization with its own constitution. That means it would have its own legislature, its own executive, its own courts. There'd be a national society, a state society, a local society, and they'd all look exactly like their government counterparts except for one key item. Society would not possess the coercive power of taxation. No taxes. That means in all cases, all these respective societies would need to fund their budgets by means of voluntary contributions. What a concept. Society couldn't tap into that seemingly, seemingly bottomless pit of a citizen's hard-earned money. Society would need to hold fund drives, big sales, telethons, things like that if they needed money, fund their grand schemes. Otherwise, society would just have to tighten their belts and prioritize their spending just like you and I would have to do. Getting to the heart of your question, if a program is important enough, like hurricane relief, people would gladly contribute, or seniors needing help financing their golden years, a lot of people would jump to help at the chance. And whatever the need, society would become the rallying point for the people of the state, the city, the nation, whatever it may be. But, again, coming to your question, if it's a counterproductive program, like junkets for members of society's Congress, it's highly unlikely that that measure would ever pass, let alone obtain funding. Only the more important programs would continue, and pork barrel spending would end. So if these people you're talking about, Bernie, if they're dependent on some pork barrel, they're in trouble the societal safety net would remain intact, that's for sure, but politics as usual would not. That's what we're out to do here. But best of all, all that runaway spending that we've been seeing for the last 50 plus years, we'd finally be able to reverse that. Spending would drop, taxes would drop, life would be grand. Citizens would have more money in their own pockets to help what they think is important, not what some politician or special interests thinks is important. In my novel, Atlas Snubbed, I describe how society could form how it would fund the welfare state, how it would regulate business, handle emergencies, and a whole lot more. So getting back to your original comment, there you go. That's my inventive way to help keep the needed programs. But more importantly, that's also the same way that we eliminate the unneeded ones. If you want more detail about how it forms society and what it would do, check out my novel, Atlas Snubbed, for more details. Nancy Schaub from Hatboro, Pennsylvania says... While you are not stating you are fully pro-life, you offered me one of the best solutions I have seen to the abortion on-demand question. I have a feeling there are many politicians who are pro-life but are afraid to state it for fear of not being elected. I can never vote for anyone who openly condoned abortion at any stage of pregnancy. I am Catholic and to me, life beings at the moment of conception and every single life is precious and valuable. I am also an adoptee, so maybe that is why your solutions seem the best of everyone's. I cannot imagine we will ever go back to abortion being outlawed, sadly. Thank you for a possible alternative. And thank you for those kind words, Nancy. 
Well, as I mentioned at the top of the show, it's been quite a while since the abortion issue came up. In fact, it was all the way back in episode three. And what's this? Episode 24? Months and months ago. As you know, the Pennsylvania Project is available as a podcast, and some listeners like Nancy are probably only now hearing some of the things we talked about months ago, 21 episodes ago, long time. I did a rant about abortion at the end of episode three because the entire abortion issue is a classic example of solving the problem correctly versus solving the correct problem. We're all about solutions here at the Pennsylvania Project. I've already said that, and our solution solves the correct problem problem when it comes to abortion. I'm not going to re- repeat the entire rant because that went off for about 15 minutes, but let me, let me just hit some of the high points. When people ask me, are you pro-life or pro-choice? I always smile and reply, yes, because there's a way that we can save more babies while simultaneously preserving a woman's right to choose. It doesn't require any changes to the abortion laws, doesn't require rev- revisiting Roe v. Wade or overturning it. Instead, It's based on one small change to the adoption laws. Specifically, the solution is to allow for prenatal adoption. Prenatal adoption. The way that it works is that if a woman does not want her unborn baby, any individual or organization can step forward and adopt it while it's still in the womb. Through the privacy of their doctor, they can ask the woman, please bring the baby to term. And the woman can say yes or no. If she says yes, we've just saved a baby. Of course, it's only fair that the adoptive parents would pay for the delivery costs. And since many babies are aborted for economic reasons, we are guaranteed, guaranteed to reduce the number of abortions. That's pro-life, definitely pro-life. But we've also still preserved the woman's right to choose. That's definitely pro-choice. We do them both at the same time. Am I pro-life or pro-choice? Yes. But what if the woman says no? Maybe there are medical reasons why she can't bring a baby to term, professional reasons, societal reasons. I don't care what the reason is. It doesn't matter. The choice is always, always hers. And if she does say no, well, again, through the privacy of the doctor, I'd ask if she could hold on to the baby until safe delivery can be assured. What's that, six months, seven months, something like that? I'm not a doctor. I don't know. I think it's where the medical arts are right around now. Yes, it would cost more for such a delivery, but the adoptive parents would gladly pay that, and we will have saved another baby and still preserved the woman's right to choose. But what if she still says no? No, I'm not going to bring it to term. No, I'm not going to bring it until safe delivery can be assured. Well, at that point, I would turn to technology. We routinely perform embryo transplants in the animal kingdom, and it wouldn't take a whole lot of research to extend those techniques to cover humans as well. Well, granted, it may take 20 years, 50 years, 100 years, but I see a day coming when no unborn child need ever die. Think of it this way. Suppose no woman agrees to bring the baby to term or agrees to hold on to the baby until safe delivery can be assured or no one agrees to fund or perform the research. Well, then we have a default situation, which is exactly what we have today, abortion on demand. But there are adoptive parents out there willing to fund the delivery There are researchers out there willing to fund them, willing to do the research. So the demand is there. The babies are there. The love is there. And with one small change to the adoption laws, we can align that demand with the supply and save more babies, all while preserving a woman's right to choose. Prenatal adoption. A correct solution whose time has come, if you ask me. 
And thanks again for those kind words, Nancy, and for bringing up a subject we haven't talked about in a long time. And on that hopeful note, that's going to do it for the you portion of the show. We're going to pause for this information, and when we return, we will be visiting with today's guest, our firearms manufacturer, Konstantin Davinsky. Did you hear the latest news? Almost two-thirds of all federal spending now goes to pay for the welfare state. More than $2.2 trillion, which just about equals federal income. Do you realize what that means? Virtually all tax revenue is now being consumed by the welfare state. But how do we rein in that runaway spending before it destroys America? The answer? The separation of society and state. That's the premise of the new novel, Atlas Snubbed, an unsanctioned parody sequel to Ayn Rand's Atlas Shrugged. Atlas Snubbed presents a workable alternative to the welfare state as we know it. Atlas Snubbed expertly extends Rand's epic story of a looter's world snubbed by the men of the mind, bringing to life a crumbling post-apocalyptic world where no one need ask who is John Galt, because now they know. Atlas Snubbed, available at all online bookstores or through atlassnubbed.com. Read it today before it's too late. Here's an interesting question. What do you think of these three ideas? Number one, people have at all times an inalienable right to alter, reform, or abolish their government as they think proper. Number two, juries shall have the right to determine the law as well as the facts. Number three, the right of the citizens to bear arms in defense of themselves and the state shall not be questioned. Do those words sound like they're something taken from a Hollywood political thriller? or a proclamation by a radical revolutionary movement, or a part of an anarchist manifesto? The answers to these questions are no, no, and no, because those words are all direct quotes taken from Article One of the Pennsylvania Constitution. Everyone's heard of the United States Constitution, but have you heard of the Pennsylvania Constitution? Have you ever read it? But most importantly, was it ever taught to you in school? If you're, like, if you're like virtually all Pennsylvanians, again, the answers are likely to be no, no, and no. Well, it's long past time we change those answers to yes, yes, and yes. And you have a crucial part to play in making that come to pass. As you know, we here at the Pennsylvania Project are all about solutions, so we've authored a petition asking the governor, the Pennsylvania Board of Education, and each of the 501 school districts in Pennsylvania to immediately begin teaching the Pennsylvania Constitution to our children. The petition is up on our website, pennsylvaniaproject.com. If you believe it's important for our children to know how our state government works, please add your name to the growing list of signers. And every time we accumulate another batch of signatures, we'll send a copy of the petition to the governor, the Pennsylvania, Pennsylvania Board of Education, and each and every one of the 501 school districts in Pennsylvania, asking them right now to start teaching our children the Pennsylvania Constitution. So please sign the petition at PennsylvaniaProject.com. Do it now while it's on top of your mind. Get your friends to sign it, your neighbors, your coworkers. The alternative is yet another generation that has never heard of, let alone the read the Pennsylvania Constitution. And people wonder why no one votes anymore. That is true. Hey, Ken Krawchuk here again, and welcome to the them portion of episode 24 of the Pennsylvania Project, where we host a guest to help showcase the political, cultural, and environmental issues facing Pennsylvania, and also stop the cough. <coughs> Thank you very much. 
Our guest today is a mix of the cultural and the political, firearms manufacturer Konstantin Davinsky. He's from out there in the bucolic part of York County near Gifford Pinchot State Park, one of my favorite places, thank you. He's a relatively new libertarian, only a few years since he tired of, tired of using the power of government to beat up other people. For a federal audience, he'd call himself a Second Amendment supporter, but since this is the Pennsylvania Project, he's an Article One, Section 21 advocate. And as you may remember in my last episode, episode 23, he submitted a question about how to enforce that provision of the Pennsylvania Constitution. And a good question it was. I just wish I had a good answer. But now he's here in the flesh. Constantine, welcome to the Pennsylvania Project. Thank you for having me. Well, it's great to see you here, man, all the way from York. Yeah, yeah. Uh, I, I like to I like to call that God's country. On I, I, I'm in the best part of Pennsylvania. Uh-huh. I, my house is completely surrounded by corn. But I am five minutes away from a Walmart. <laughs> so, <laughs> so sounds corny. Yeah. No, pardon the pun. Yeah, no, it's it's uh it's great. And wouldn't the people up in Potter County take offense to you calling York County God's country? Well at least my particular part of York County. Okay. Your, York County's pretty big. We'll give you that. <laughs> and you say you are a Firearms manufacturer? What do you do? Build guns? Yeah, yeah. We uh, we manufacture AR-15 rifles uh, uh, and and tech, uh, quote unquote pistols. Um, AR-15 pistols? Yeah, yeah. So I actually I, I brought an example of one and uh, just to demonstrate how absurd our laws are. Uh huh. Well, in the radio, that may not do a lot of good, but we are videoing this for. YouTube consumption, so we can do that. And I, I got something I'm going to be doing later on. It's going to require a video as well, so it's going to be there. Oh, perfect. So what do you do? You, you buy parts and assemble these? You, you got a forge there? You do your own <laughs> rifling? Yeah, so the uh, so the the AR platform versus, like, you know, every, everybody knows there's, there's two major ones. There's the AK-47 and the AR-15. Um, the AK-47 requires basically an automobile factory to to manufacture the entire weapon system okay um, while the ar-15 is very decentralized which is kind of neat um so from a actual like supply chain perspective it's a it's a really really neat uh weapon system for fighting for freedom what well, does that make it the distributed nature does that make it harder or easier to put to get the parts so it it it, it makes it easier um, it makes it a little bit tricky because now there's uh, there's a variety so you have good parts and you have bad parts and the trick is finding good parts at a reasonable price uh-huh. um, which which is you know the the best part of capitalism, right? It you, is. You have options. That's um, what it's if, all about. If you want a a cheap hunk of junk, I mean, you you can buy them. They make them. Uh, if if you want to pay out the nose for something uh, that you perceive as very very fancy and very cool, you could do that too. Uh-huh. Uh huh. We try to get in the middle. <laughs> yeah, and don't buy the green ammo. <laughs> yeah. Well, <laughs> or has that gotten better now? The uh, the green tips. Yeah. Yeah. No, that's that's uh, that's gotten better. It's it's. I find it really frustrating when they so they tried banning the green tips, and I find it really frustrating because they they said that they didn't have a sporting purpose. Last time I checked, nowhere in either the Pennsylvania Constitution or, or the federal Constitution, it doesn't say anything about sporting purposes. Mm-hmm. The Second Amendment is is to fight against tyranny. That's right. Not deer. Tell them to be <laughs> tell them to be a good sport about it and just get out of your way. Yeah, 
I mean, that's that's how they uh, that's that's how they basically have pushed through almost every single ban. Um, that was one of the bigger arguments for the bump stocks. They said it doesn't serve a sporting purpose. <laughs> I mean, it, it serves a freedom purpose. They already took away, you know, the the right to to manufacture new machine guns. Though we get to be more equal than others. Uh, if, if you pay enough, uh, you too can manufacture new machine guns. You know, that raises a question. Wasn't Minnesota or one of the states, they started manufacturing machine guns in-state. And as long as they don't cross state lines, the feds have nothing to say about it. You don't need the federal firearms license or anything. I'm not sure. I, I've, I've heard things like that. I've never personally experienced it um, or, or read anything about it. Put you on the spot. Do you sell Fully automatic ARs? We do. I, I actually... Uh, Got one right here. <laughs> I, I do. I, I really do. Um, that was actually a pleasant surprise this morning. Um, so this is this is one of our prototypes. Uh-huh. And um, and so we have uh, we, we have a few receivers that we set up for, uh, as machine guns, the, the lowers. The lower is the part of the gun that is the gun. Uh, mm-hmm. Kind of like on a car. It's like the chassis is the car. That's where the VIN number belongs. And that's, you know, that's the car. So... The lower receiver on an AR-15 is is the gun. We have a few of those that are set up as machine guns, and this is uh, this is something that we're uh, experimenting with, trying to kind of find a a home for it in terms of uh, the ideal you know the the ideal purpose for this this weapon. But anyway, um, so we were at the range this morning doing some test firing, and then I, and uh, we're actually breaking in a, a new sales guy. <laughs> okay, and uh, I said, oh. Well, I got something special for you. <laughs> and he's like, what's that? And I said, well, this one has what we like to call the giggle switch. Uh-huh. You flip it to the third position and you can't help but giggle. <laughs> you know, I went through the Abington Citizens Police Academy. We had one day that was out on the range and they have some amazing weaponry out there. And it was the first time I was able to, had an opportunity to do a fully automatic weapon. Oh, it's so much fun. And they got this other one. The barrel on it is like two, three inches around. It shoots these gigantic rubber bullets. Oh, wow. They call it a near-lethal weapon because it's not supposed to kill people, but <laughs> poke somebody's eye out or something like right. that. I guess you can. Now, you go making these weapons. Who's, who's buying them? So, I mean, our, our biggest customer is the, uh, the average American that wants to be able to secure their freedom. Uh-huh. Um, we also are now moving into uh, the law enforcement community. Um, Colt has recently decided that they don't want to do business with uh, civilians. Wow. So um, we'll, we'll, we'll did, did fill they, the gap. <laughs> did they say why? Um, it's news to me. I didn't know that. Yeah, there was an article that was just posted a couple of days ago. We actually posted it on our Facebook page. Um, it they they're really struggling keeping up with with the market. Um, you know, you can you can make a quality firearm at a reasonable price, or you can make a really awful firearm at a really low price. And they kind of didn't fit in either. Mm-hmm. Uh, so they've basically decided that they're going to stick with their old pal government. Uh-huh. And uh, they don't so much care about the uh, you know, the, the people that the government are supposed to serve. Uh-huh. So they were somewhere between Yugos and Teslas, and they, <laughs> and they decided they didn't want to be anywhere. Yeah. That's I mean, they, they wanted to make a, a – I don't think it's fair to say that it's a Yugo, but – you know, I mean, they, they make a quality firearm, but it'd be the equivalent of a, of a Honda Accord for the price of a Maybach. Uh-huh. <laughs> I don't know. Do you know, I got a, a cool AR story. I went out to Front Sight Firearms Academy out in Nevada a couple of years ago, and I flew out with an AR. 
Oh. And you could you could take them and check baggage. Yeah. But they got to be in a hard case and locked. And I got to Philadelphia International and I go to check it and it's declared. I said, I got a firearm here. And she says, oh, you have to demonstrate that it's unloaded. <laughs> <laughs> so I said, you know, I'm going to have to take it out of the case and cycle the action. And she says, uh, and she, did, she had no clue. She says, uh, yeah. She's like reading from the script. Uh, so I pull it out and she, her eyes get big. And there I am in the middle of Philadelphia International. Choo-choo. hold it up in front of me. I'm waiting for the bullet in the back. You know? I wish somebody had video of that. I mean, so if you ever fly with an AR, I recommend have somebody in the back taking pictures of it just to be able to pull out an AR in the middle of Philadelphia International Airport. Yeah, I, I haven't had the opportunity yet. The uh, the few shows <laughs> that we've done, we've driven to. Uh, usually we, we yeah, there's just a lot of stuff you got to bring when you go to a show. Mm-hmm. So we, we, we drive if we can. I haven't I haven't had the, the, the luxury of being able to bring uh, a firearm on a uh airplane yet uh, it's always cool <laughs> and you know when i was coming back i've been flying out of las vegas and the girl behind the counter she's chewing gum she says the same thing she knew it by heart she didn't have to read it off a card or anything she hardly looks at me she goes yeah yeah get going <laughs> different attitudes yeah because i was at a pizza place and the people were walking around open carry you in nevada look, yeah you're allowed to do that here in pennsylvania yeah but not people don't matter of fact most states you can do that you don't need a license or a permit or anything like that. Not that the right to bear arms shall ever be questioned. Right. You know? So you're, when did you first read the Pennsylvania Constitution? I was surprised when you knew all about that. <laughs> so actually, uh, truthfully, it, it wasn't until I became a libertarian that I realized that Pennsylvania is more Texas than Texas. Uh-huh. <laughs> that is definitely true. We're one of the original 13, and we have the strongest ones, except for Jersey. Jersey has no mention of the right to keep and bear arms in their constitution. That's well, very apparent. <laughs> yeah, I know. My wife and I, we call it the police state. Yeah, New Jersey, actually, this is kind of funny. So they uh, they loopholed themselves and in the sense mean? of, so they tried to be so specific with infringing upon people's rights to own AR-15 rifles that they got so specific with it that they missed an entire configuration where the so they call that's the term is firearm mm-hmm. um, which Pennsylvania has a silly definition for firearm too but that's okay so firearm falls as a definition of a uh, a fire a, a gun that has a barrel shorter than 16 inches okay. but an overall length of over 26 inches and uh, is not fired from the shoulder all right, let's see. We're not designed to be fired from the sh- uh, shoulder. So, long story short, it can't have a, a butt stock. Uh huh. Um, and this specific configuration so you, you take an AR 15 with a brace, which I'll show you if you haven't seen one yet. Uh huh. And you, I think the, uh, because the way that the ATF has uh, redefined the way you measure it, so I think we're up to now 12 and a half inch barrels, or we might be up to 13 and a half inch barrels, depending on the brace. But um, anyway, so. Um, now that gun falls completely out of any state <laughs> regulation and it just defaults to the federal government and they just nice. call it a firearm and it is what it is. Wow. So you're selling in Jersey? Uh, we're working on it. Uh, so we actually, uh, <laughs> New my, Jersey, there's hope. <laughs> yeah. My, my business partner's, uh, cousin is actually a U.S. Marshal. He's an air marshal and we had, to even he is not above the law. <laughs> and we had to neuter a uh, Jersey-compliant gun for him. 
what do you mean neuter? Stick something in the barrel? Yeah. So to we we, we call it neutering. Um, it can't have a collapsible stock. So uh-huh. we had to put uh, Magpul actually does make one that is uh, it looks like a collapsible stock, but it's not. Uh, so we got them set up with one of those, and we had to pin and weld the uh, the flash hider, t- or actually you can have a flash hider. So we had to do a, a muzzle brake for them, um, which is really funny how they define the difference between a flash hider and a muzzle brake because you know. There's a spectrum. <laughs> uh, it's overregulated, yeah. if you ask me. I agree. Um, but long story short, if your pinky can fit into the f- muzzle device, it's a flash hider. Well, who's pinky? I remember my, <laughs> my, my brother's wife, she, she always went to a gynecologist who had fat, fat fingers. So I'm wondering how he would have come in on all this. Oh, man. I don't know. <laughs> I remember the guy's name. I'm not going to give him. He's probably retired by now. <laughs> we're we're into the grandkid era, not into the kid era anymore. And it's funny because the the guy who delivered our second daughter, he looked like Woody Allen. <laughs> he oh, had glasses and everything. It was just pretty funny. It's like, are you sure you're the right guy? <laughs> but I digress. We're we're here to talk about more about firearms. But you know, guns and childbirth. <laughs> <laughs> what else is there? My guest today is firearms manufacturer Konstantin Davinsky. I'm your caster, Ken Krawchuk, and you're listening to Episode 24 of the Pennsylvania Project. We'll be right back after this information. Thinking about getting your first tattoo? Maybe you're ready to add to that sleeve you started or cover up that one regretful choice? Put Sam C. at his team of artists at Iron Wheel Tattoo Club in Glenside, PA, at the top of your list. The team at Iron Will has plenty of designs to choose from. They can create an original design or work with the design that you provide. Call 267-893-7625 today to schedule your free consultation. That's 267-8-WE-ROCK or visit them on Instagram at Iron Will Tattoo Club. Hey, Ken Krawchuk here, caster for the Pennsylvania Project. You know, it's easy to find a high-paying job. At least for some people it is. Employers are begging for competent leaders who know how to communicate effectively. But do those words describe you? Competent leader communicates effectively? If not, or even if they do, you may want to consider joining Toastmasters. The mission of Toastmasters is to provide a supportive environment for learning communication and leadership skills. But does it really work? Hey, look at me. I joined Toastmasters and now I have my own radio podcast. So turn your life around like I have. Visit Toastmasters.org and contact a club near you. Visitors are always welcome, and be sure to mention my name. The future is anxiously awaiting competent leaders who know how to communicate effectively. You can be that leader. It all starts at Toastmasters.org. Are you a small business owner always looking for referrals? Do you have a streamlined approach to generating new referrals? Contact Stephen Worley to learn the fast, easy way to generate new referrals. Stephen has an all-inclusive system that will help you generate an extra 5 to 10 customers per week without spending a single dollar on ads. You won't have to create a website, have pictures taken, or write a single ad. Stephen will take take the headache out of the process. Contact him at stephenworley.com. That's Stephen with a V, W-E-R-L-E-Y.com. Do you have the financial freedom that you imagine you would have? 
At AJ Freedom Financial, we are dedicated to serving you while helping you achieve your financial goals. We offer planning and investment advice on everything from college and retirement planning to a rollover 401k. Please call 866-383-6899 to learn more. The top priority at AJ Freedom Financial has always been and always will be our clients. Call AJ Freedom Financial today to talk to a qualified professional. 866-383-6899. Again, that is 866-383-6899. AJ Freedom Financial, helping Pennsylvanians achieve financial freedom from the man. Securities and investment advisory services are offered through Gradient Securities, LLC member FINRA, SIPC. Insurance products and services are offered through AJ Freedom Financial. AJ Freedom Financial is not affiliated with Gradient Securities, LLC. Hey, Ken Krawchuk again, and we are back with episode 24 of the Pennsylvania Project, and our guest, firearms manufacturer Konstantin Davinsky. He has not run out. He hasn't shot up the building or anything like that. All those myths that people have about gun owners, let alone gun manufacturers. You know, when I heard that that's what you did for a living, I thought, what a pain that must be having to deal with the government. Yeah, that's uh, that's quite the understatement. So, I mean, just changing our um, – so we had to change our entity. So uh, the, the company uh, I, I part own is HD Defense. And uh, so originally we started the company out as Hamill and Davinsky, which is my last name and my business – well, my business partner's last name and my last name mm-hmm. um, because it was actually cheaper to register the business that way. What? You were not incorporated? We, we were not. So uh, we, yeah. That's a dangerous thing, especially when you're selling firearms. Believe it or not, it's not. Um, yeah? So – Oh, wait, because you're at- – you're acting in your proper person, appropriate persona. Well, and and the I don't remember the name of the legislation, but there there's a there's there's um the U.S. is really confusing because it's it's super free and super tyrannical at the same time. It's mm. a it's quite the soup sandwich, and so we're protected as <laughs> as fire. Sandwich. Yeah, I never heard that. We're protected as firearms manufacturers from liability. So uh-huh. as long as I don't make a gun that hurts somebody. Oh, so if it's defective and right. it explodes in their hands. Right, or right, right. So, you know, as long as we have appropriate quality control, which we do, um, as long as cause we, we test fire everything, we, we ensure that you know everything works yeah, as like, it should. Like SpaceX with their rockets. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, but, you know, we, we do, ev- you know, we do everything from a quality control perspective. So as long as our firearm doesn't, Act in a way it's not supposed to. Mm-hmm. We're good to go. Um, we are we are protected from any kind of liability, which is exactly why um, I think it was, it was Slide Fire, uh, who does not make firearms, they made the bump stocks, uh-huh. and they tried to sue them. Uh-huh. But because Slide Fire had an FFL, they were good to go. Uh huh. If they had not had an FFL, they would have been open to liability. And for our listeners, FFL is Federal Firearms License. Yes. Um, so it, it's, it's kind of interesting that we have a little bit of protection there. Uh-huh. And by the way, I should apologize to our listeners because if they're listening to this show, they would know what an FFL is. <laughs> <laughs> well, I mean, not if they're in favor of freedom. <laughs> yeah, that's true. That's what the F stands for. Yeah. Yeah. Extra. Freedom, freedom license. Right. It's, <laughs> it's so nice they named it twice. <laughs> but, so you don't need any kind of 
permission from the government to do what you're doing? Well, you need a ton of permission. So you need a you need the federal firearms license, which um, the the FFL itself isn't super expensive. Um, I think it's I think it's a uh, 150 bucks for uh, the manufacturing license is actually cheaper than the retail license, which is again very strange. Go figure. Um, so it's only uh, the manufacturing license is 150 bucks. The the retail store license is 300. Uh, so again. We were trying to do this uh, as as cheap as we could when we got started. We were going to open up a gun store, mm-hmm. so we're like, okay, we're going to register the business as cheap as we can, which we had to get involved with the state, and then we uh, we got the cheapest license that we could, which was the manufacturer's license, which allows you to manufacture and uh, sell, uh-huh. which was really weird because. You, Again, government's weird. Well, it's like a microbrewery, you know? They can make it and sell it themselves. Right, but that's cheaper than just, like, if you were just a standard bar and just selling other people's drinks, imagine the license is more expensive uh, yeah. than that's right. just brewing your own and, and also selling other people's stuff. It's It gives you more powers, powers, <laughs> right? It gives you more freedom. <laughs> it's, en- it's enough to make you vote libertarian, ain't it? Uh, well, it, I mean, the the big one that's crazy is the uh, the SOT um, stands for Special Occupational Tax, uh, which uh, gives you your your pre NFA freedoms back, and that's five hundred bucks a year. NFA uh, National Firearms Act. Um, so that's what banned. Uh, well, it's I shouldn't use banned. It, it it heavily regulated suppressors, short barreled rifles, machine guns, mm-hmm. um, all the extra fun stuff. Yeah, <laughs> that's a pity. It is. Um, so all this is federal stuff you're talking about. Is the state leaning yeah. on you for anything? So the state. We are a state show. Yeah. So the state will get. Um, the state's actually more of a, a zoning issue. So there is still a, there is a state license that you need to have to sell firearms, um, because Pennsylvania uh, um, doesn't use the the NICS, the National Instant Check System. Pennsylvania uses the PICS, the Pennsylvania Instant Check System. How cute. Which operates through NICS. Wait, that's that state police job, isn't it? Yeah. I campaigned against that when I was running for governor. Yeah, so a lot of people really like, and a lot of people have really strong opinions on yeah, PICS. I, I do. I was going to right. use the line item veto to defund it. I mean, I, 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 I was a fan. <laughs> <laughs> I had your yard, in, or your yard. I had your sign in my yard. There you go. I had my yard in your sign. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it's a sign. I hate when that happens. <laughs> I, I know what you mean. Um, but yeah, and it's it's frustrating because it's, it's literally, it, you could have a de facto gun ban if they shut down, if PICS just had a malfunction. Quote unquote, yeah. Right, I saw you, the air quotes there. Right, so yeah, well, yeah, this, we're on radio. But um, if you could have a de facto gun ban if there was a quote unquote malfunction with picks, now gun dealers can't do background checks. Oh, so now nobody can buy and sell guns. I thought the right that couldn't be questioned. Yeah, you know, I, I keep hearing that. We, somebody should put together a petition to get them to start <laughs> teaching this to our kids. Can you imagine a kid saying, "But Daddy, the Constitution says." Oh my gosh! I really I I can't wait. So I, I have two kids. I, I can't wait for a teacher to tell them that the Second Amendment's about hunting, because then we're gonna you're, you're, we're coming to the range. Let's go <laughs> and bring the teacher. You know that's what Frontside Firearms Academy does out in Nevada. If anybody wants to do a news piece on them, he says fine, but you have to take our one day course before you do that. Because what that does is that gives them a grounding in all the techniques, and they can see what the safety things are, and they learn how a firearm works. And you don't get these crazy people who are just like, oh, anti-gun, anti-gun, get rid of the guns. Because now they have some knowledge about it, and they can't, in clear conscience, just keep 
spouting nonsense, which I shouldn't say that. People are very concerned about guns, and there's, there's a lot to be concerned about. And I run into it on the campaign trail all the time. But there are just so many facts. The CDC found that gun buyback programs and these, all of these gun bans and everything has no – there's no evidence there's any effect on mass shootings. Yeah. And John Lott did a nationwide – he's a researcher at the University of Chicago. He did a nationwide county-level study, and he found that if a woman resists an attacker, she's twice as likely to be seriously injured. But if she resists with a handgun, she's half as likely to be seriously injured. So my soundbite during the campaign was, handguns are a girl's best friend. Absolutely. I mean, all the evidence. Even Northeastern University in Boston did a study, and they found that mass shootings are way down. They're one quarter of what they were in the 90s. It's just that now they're being publicized more. Like, maybe somebody has an agenda? <laughs> I don't know. Yeah, I mean, it's, it's, it's absurd because, you know, we, we, care about, we care about women, right? We all care about women. Amen. And... and Nobody, I, I, I subscribe to the idea that I think rape is worse than murder because because they got to live with it. Right. Yeah. With murder, at least after, you know, after you, you're dead, but rape, you know, you, you have to deal with the PTSD. You have to, there's, there's a yeah. lot of, there's a lot of trauma that comes with that. And right now, so like college age women, right? 18 and 21. Well, between the ages of 18 and, and 20 and 364 days, uh-huh. you can't have a handgun. So unless you expect those, you know, and and there is no better deterrent to uh, someone that's a little too aggressive mm-hmm. than pointing a firearm at their face. That is true. And uh, if they don't get the hint, <laughs> there's, there's, <laughs> there's a little backup chunk of lead to convince them. Well, I mean, th- then then that's just evolution in action. Yeah, that's a good way of putting it too. Yep, you can make the Darwin's. What's what's that list? The Darwin Awards. The Dar- Darwin yeah. Awards. I mean, yeah, you know. I mean, you know, you have a, you have a, you know, a, a girl, five foot nothing, weighing a hundred pounds. What's she gonna do against a three hundred pound, six foot tall guy that's highly motivated? Mm-hmm. You shoot him in the face. Now you're also six foot tall, three hundred pounds. <laughs> <laughs> yep, yep. Uh, you know, you got me started. But, but I'm, I'm coming at this from the political side, out there to defend the right. To keep Keep and bear arms, when you're coming from the other side, the right to supply, right, the right to keep and bear <laughs> arms. Well, they're both equally important. They certainly are. Now, I'm looking at the clock here. If you want to pull out your yeah. AR, let's get a look at that. So this is kind of the what, what's funny about the the laws as they are. That's oh, beautiful. So, so th- this is th- this is this is uh, categorized as a as a machine gun. So it becomes neither. But if it if it were not full auto, this would be considered a uh-huh. pistol. Well, it looks like a pistol. It's small enough to be a right. pistol. Here, hold it up so the camera's got a good look at it. Bonk. Oh, oh, I knocked the, the mic out. That's all right. So this is actually this this was this this came to fruition after we were approached. So we did a law enforcement show in. Um, in New Jersey uh, a couple months ago, and we were approached by uh, a, a police officer who's building a uh, who's arming school resource officers. Uh-huh. They are doing this around the country with ARs. With ARs, school. Oh come on! So is that pardon the pun overkill? Uh, well, I mean, you know, it's it's a very effective <laughs> well, thirty-eight. It'd be even better. Uh, well, you know, believe it or not, uh, books make for excellent armor. Uh, so th- these tend to penetrate a little bit better, uh-huh. um, <laughs> but you know, I mean, it, when when you have a 
you know, when, when you have the, the problems that, that we do, this is a really effective way to stop it. Uh-huh. And a lot of people are really opposed to this. So they're, they're doing this on, on the, uh, the hush-hush. Um, and, and this police officer was from a state that you wouldn't expect would be doing this. Mm-hmm. Um, so I'm very happy for, for those schools that they're, they're taking. Because, I mean, this is truly – if you look at an armored truck, right, hauling money – They've got a guy, They've got three guys in the back. A couple guys with handguns. A couple guys with with shotguns. Mm-hmm. They're hauling money. What is a school buses? Don't even have seatbelts. <laughs> it's true. <laughs> <laughs> and they're haul, You know, they're hauling our our, our most valuable resource. That's our, right. Our, our, our future. Right. So the uh, the idea here is this is actually uh, a completely collapsing firearm. So. What you mean? You like fold it up and put it in your back pocket? <laughs> Pretty close. So uh, look at that. Barrel comes off. Now, can you still fire it without the barrel on it like no. that? <laughs> he, he has taken the barrel off and he has folded the stock alongside of it, and it looks like it's about eight or nine inches long. The barrel maybe a foot long. So that'll fit in any messenger bag. It'll yeah. fit in just about anything. I could fit three of them in my laptop. <laughs> right. So when you're now those guys train a lot better than I do. They're way faster than I am, but mm-hmm. that's it. You're ready to go. So yeah. when yeah. these guys need to respond, they now can uh-huh. <laughs> uh, and be pretty inconspicuous about it. That's very cool. So this, this is what I was bringing up before. So this is not a stock. Oh. This is a brace. <laughs> so this brace is designed to, to go across your forearm. Let's see if oh, I, can I see. Get my hand in there. He's putting it on like, like those, uh, crutches yeah. that some people wear assisted walking crutches so just to kind of give you an idea look at that i can't even get my arm through there it's not a very good brace is it no i i would sue the manufacturer no but but it works a whole lot better as the thing you're not supposed to yes <laughs> use for but again it's it's a it's a silly law they're all silly well not all of them some of them are very important but Oh, Constantine, I'm glad we, we got it out then because we are out of time. I'm always surprised. I say it all the time, how quickly the time goes. And there's still a whole bunch of other things I wanted to talk about, like your all things fun <laughs> range, ATF, cute things like that. We didn't get to it at all. Is there any website you want to send people to? Yeah, so uh, I'd really love for uh, everybody to come visit me at hdefense.com. Um, I am uh, the D. My business partner is the H. And... Uh, so if you're looking for a AR-15 pattern firearm, please come check us out. Um, also, I want to plug the uh, LP Mises Caucus. Oh, yeah. Uh, we had, we had um, Mike Heiss on this yeah. from, from the Mises Caucus. Yeah. Mike's a friend of mine. Luke, I, I see Luke at least once a month. Uh-huh. Um, we, we do a, a discussion group. That's a, that's a lot of fun. That really keeps me in the libertarian spirit. Uh-huh. And for those of you that are tired of the NRA, check out the FPC, the Firearms Policy Coalition, uh, those guys are, are really doing everything that the NRA should be. Okay. Well, on that note then, that's going to wrap it up for the them portion of the show. My thanks again to our firearms manufacturer, Konstantin Davinsky, and the nice little demo. I learned something. Thanks for being on the Pennsylvania Project and for being a firearms manufacturer. You the man. Happy to be here. We're going to pause for this information. And when we return, I'm going to be ranting about something that really sticks in my craw the very idea of taxation. The following is a commercial announcement. 
Hey, Taylor, how's it going? Meh, could be better. Why? What's the matter? I just found a great job, but I can't take it. Why not? They want me to go as a 1099 contractor. So? So what about all the taxes? Federal taxes, state taxes, this tax, that tax? I have better things to do than figuring out the tax laws and filling out all those forms. I'm a libertarian, remember? Well, then you need Amendment 16. Hey, it's the damn 16th Amendment that got me into this predicament in the first place. No, no, no. Amendment 16, the invoicing service. They'll invoice your client for the hours and expenses you report to them, and when your client pays them, they pay you. Minus all required state and federal taxes. It's that easy. One call does it all. And they'll even have an accountant do your personal taxes for you come April Fool's Day. I mean, come April 15th. And they take care of all the taxes? All the forms? Yep. And they can pass along certain tax breaks, too. Sounds perfect. Where do I find them? On the web, of course, at amendment16.com, with 16 spelled out. Amendment, S-I-X-T-E-E-N.com. One call does it all. You've been a registered libertarian for years, voted for libertarians even longer, and lived by a libertarian principles all your life. Now it's time to take the next step and become a dues-paying member of the Libertarian Party of Pennsylvania. Keep abreast of the March Toward Liberty in Pennsylvania, take an active role in making it happen, maybe even consider running for local political office yourself. It all starts with becoming a dues-paying member of the Libertarian Party of Pennsylvania. It's easy, fast, and only $20 a year. So visit LPPA.org to sign up today. That's LPPA.org. Do it today. A freer future is waiting. Hey, Ken Crosshock here again, and welcome to the me portion of episode 24 of the Pennsylvania Project where I get to rant about something that really sticks in my craw. Today, I'm going to rant about the very idea of taxation. What triggered the thought was part one of a three-part question that Bernie McCann, one of our repeat contributors, sent in last episode. And no, not the part about taxpayer-subsidized monkeys albums. One of his big political hot points was to replace property and income tax with a sales tax. Tax, 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 tax. This tax, that tax, some other tax. Come on, there's too many types of taxes. There's a lot I can say about property taxes and income taxes and sales tax and a whole bunch of the other ones too. I'm going to save that for another time, the specifics, because I want to take a giant step back and view taxation more from a philosophical point of view about what taxation is, the criminality of it, how it's a crime against humanity, a crime against humans. And since we are the Pennsylvania Project, I want to talk about some solutions. And it's also a good segue off his question earlier about how would I fund the welfare programs. So let me start off with some rather graphic images, like starving seniors eating dog food, orphans being turned out on the street, shuttered schools. These are all examples of crimes against humanity, things that nobody ever wants to see. But there are worse things in the world, things like extortion, home invasions, armed robbery, the police standing idly by, or worse yet, participating in all that. These are examples of crimes against humans, more terrible crimes that nobody wants to see. But if you were forced to choose one type of crime over the other, a crime against humanity versus a crime against humans, which one would you want? Me, I don't want either. But has a choice already been made for us? Consider this. How does society pay for charity? The charity to feed the needy, to house the orphaned, to educate the ignorant, 
Well, we do it with extortion, with home invasions, with armed robbery. Does that sound surprising? Because it's true. Because that's how society pays for charity, with violence. Because extortion, home invasion, and armed robbery are all fruits of that same evil, that basest of evil known as taxation. But is taxation really evil? Consider this. If I took your wallet without your permission, I'd be a thief. If everybody in this room voted to take your wallet, we'd all be thieves. But somehow when it comes to towns, states, nations voting to take our wallets, became okay. We crossed the line there, didn't we? But isn't theft theft no matter who make, how many may condone it? But it is theft because like any mugging, you have no choice. If you think you have a choice, try not paying your taxes and see what happens. First comes the threatening letters trying to extort money from you. Then ignore them. They send a squad of angry men to invade your home. Angry men, armed men to cart off all your belongings. Extortion. Home invasion. Robbery. Armed robbery. Crimes against humans. There is your blunt truth behind taxation. But look at the bright side. They're using your money to feed starving old ladies. Give orphans loving homes and hire caring, dedicated teachers. Why? Why do we contone such evil means for such good ends? It's often repeated that taxes are the price we pay for living in a civilized society. Well, I would hardly call extortion, home invasion, and armed robbery civilized, especially when the police are in on the game. These are the very people we count on to protect us. And the courts back them up even worse. But how do we pay for charity without that institutionalized theft? or other theft-funded services like roads and defense. There are tons of ways, many ways, most of which are more effective and more economical than paying with taxes and not subject to political cronyism. Another bold statement for sure. Do you know what happens? I'm, I don't know if, I, I, I don't know if I'm going to have time for this. I am going to pull out my wallet. I'm going to do this. And this is going to be on radio. On, to, on the YouTube, I'm holding up a $1 bill. Do you know what happens when you send a dollar bill to Washington? The first thing that happens is the bigger part of that bill disappears into the bureaucracy. And a, by the way, I did rip it and toss it over my shoulder, and I got the smaller piece in my hand. But this comes to the states, and you know what the states have? Their own bureaucracy as well. And I got a little sliver left. This is what happens to a dollar that you send to the federal government. You're lucky if you get a dime on the dollar back from your tax money. You could help. Think of it. If you kept that money locally, you could help 10 times as many homeless people. Help 10 times as many seniors. Educate 10 times as many kids. Buy them 10 times as many pencils. There. There's a fact behind what your taxation is. But how can we reduce our reliance on taxes and make a more economically efficient future a reality. There is a much more economic solution. It's called the Charitable Credit Act. The way it works is that you can give your charitable dollars to the charity of your choice and then subtract whatever it is you give dollar for dollar off of your taxes come April Fool's, come April 15th. So you personally can help so many more people with your own dollar chosen to go in the direction that you want. Do you care about schools? Send your money to the schools, deduct it directly off the taxes that you're going to pay. And this isn't some pie-in-the-sky, libertarian, utopian dream. It's currently law in Arizona. In 2016 alone, 
well over 100,000 taxpayers, directed well over $50 million to almost 1,000 state-approved charities all across Arizona, all in one year. This is the sort of thing we need in Pennsylvania. This is a solution. We need it for America. We need it everywhere. Think about it. We can cut the bureaucrats out of it. This would save right there. Think of it. The millions that we saved could suddenly become billions that we're saving. Universal Charitable Credit Act. I'm sure Bernie would call it copycat legislation. He, he railed about that one. I guess it was what, episode 19? I forget the number now. But the bottom line is that it helps solve the correct problem. How the problem we're solving is how do we help others the best? And the best part is it works. Crimes against humans, crimes against humanity are no crime at all. The choice, ladies and gentlemen, is ours. On that taxing note, that's going to wrap it up for episode 24 of the Pennsylvania Project. If you have something to say, we'd love to hear from you, and we'll hear from Bernie again. You can contact us at PennsylvaniaProject.com, and that's right after you sign our petition, that is. And you can hear us there, too, as well as iTunes and other popular podcast providers. Today's episode is courtesy of Amendment 16 Limited, recorded live at the studios of WWDB Radio, broadcasting at 10 a.m. every Saturday at 8.60 a.m. in Philadelphia, and released as a podcast every Tuesday at PennsylvaniaProject.com. Our webmaster is Stephen Worley. Marketing guru is Connor Dragotis. Featured Toastmaster narrator Taylor Kardish. Keyboard wizard Joe the Pag. Radio producer Brett Kronberger. Executive producer Mark Brizacco. And me, your caster, Ken Krawchuk. Thanks for joining us. And remember, more important than solving the problem correctly is to solve the correct problem. <laughs> <laughs>